Thank you, Rob. It's always nice to see people step up and do a great job, and I really appreciate Rob uh, leading singing for us. He told me before, it was probably about five minutes before church started, he said, he said, I'm a little nervous, the crowd's a little low, and I said, well, give us seven minutes, and we'll fill it up, and he said, I'll need some help on, I said, and I, I'll sing out, you know, I, 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 I fancy myself a singer, I'll sing out, and he said, well, I'll need some help on the bass part, and I just walked off, because I can't help you, can't help you with that. Uh, sing, leading singing is harder than preaching. I have never started a sermon and been halfway through and thought, oh dear, I have pitched this way too high. But I've done that on so many songs, and you're just sweating, thinking, oh, we're, we're going to hit that note, and I'm going to hit it, and I'm going to be the only one going, ah, you know, and everyone else is just going to be sweating, and it's going to be bad. It's a tough job. Rob, Rob did a great job. I'm very um, appreciative of him, thankful for him. Uh, also, that's Dina's necklace, not a tambourine. Those of you who are wondering, those of you who thought, oh, well, I've got a new rumor to spread about the Mineral Spring Church of Christ. That's, that was a necklace. Yeah, they'll blame the old organist for, yeah. So, we got that out of the way. But, that's funny. I, I giggled throughout that whole song, so I'm just picturing someone back there playing it. <laughs> Might have to change my sermon. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, we'll be in Matthew chapter 18 today. I, I, my, my dad used to uh, come in to, remember, remember he had careers? We had that in school, careers was a name of a class. We'd go in and we'd learn about different careers you could have, mostly just farming and um, mechanical work. And my dad was a, a welder and a machinist, but he owned a sm- he owns a small job shop in the Queen, and they'd always have him come in and do a class on working with the public. Which those of you who work with the public, public is, I don't know if you know this, public is a, a, little pr- is a professional term for stupid people. When you say work with the public, it's never like, I get to work with the public. It's the public comes into your place. And what happens is that you will, you, my, my dad's been doing this like welding since he was four. You know, like he's, it's in his blood. His dad did it since he was uh, 14, 15. My dad's been doing it actually since he's been about, since he was 12 years old. I mean, this guy can do just about anything with a welder or with a machine. He can, he, if he can think it, he can make it. And people will walk in and be like, well, listen to me. Like, got, people who don't know what they're doing will tell my, my dad how to do it. Uh, Coach Props has always told me this about um, coaching. He said, he said coaching and preaching is, are about the same. There's too much amateur competition. <laughs> and so we have, <laughs> he wasn't even here when he walked in. Mark, I just quoted you, and they liked it, so thumbs up. So we, but you, you just, you always have, you have people that you just sort of tolerate, you deal with. We, 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 we deal with people, we, we handle people, and, and then there's times, and the, those people take patience, right? Those people take, I've, I've just got to work through this, stick with it, and they'll be gone, and we'll be done. 
But then there's times where it's not the public that you're dealing with, but it's the private. It's the people that you know behind closed doors. It's the people who know you deeply and vulnerably. And that's a beautiful thing, this love that you have whenever you can have a a relationship with someone where they know where they could stick their finger to hurt you, and they don't. That's love. But every once in a while, people stick their finger where they know to stick. They, They hit that button that they know to hit. They hurt you in the place that you are most vulnerable. Maybe when you weren't paying attention, maybe, maybe they were upset, or maybe it just happened. And they wound you. There's a big difference between forgiving people who are uh, just in and out of your life. That's, that's mainly called patience. But forgiving people whenever you were close and they wound you, the Bible says, uses the term sin against you, when people, when people hurt you like that, how do you forgive them? Peter asks, and this, is, this slide isn't on the board, but Peter asks a question right before this parable, in which he says, Lord, how many times should we forgive our brother who sins against us? And then he answers it. Seven. The old answer was three. Like, if you wanted to be a good disciple, most rabbis taught three. If you want to forgive your brother who sins against you, if he does it three times, then you can, they can be gone. And, he, and Peter says seven as if, right? Doing pretty good, right? And Jesus says, no, not seven, but, and depending on your translation, 77 times or 70 times seven. Now, this is not a question whether or not we should forgive our brother 77 times or 490 times. This is a question of Jesus using hyperbole to say, you forgive. And then he tells a parable. And this parable isn't an illustration of that teaching. It's just a similar teaching. Um, He goes on and says, For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves or servants. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Okay, real quick. A talent is a measure of gold, silver, or copper. Um, and so depending on um, the, the metal, it, it would range from about 60 um, to 90 pounds of gold, silver, or copper. And 10,000 talents is a ridiculous... So we're looking at a lot, right? We're looking at a lot of gold, a lot of silver, or a lot of copper, depending on... I'm not, it doesn't give what kind of coin or what kind of metal was used here, but it's a lot of money. A lot of money that... So much money that it's a ridiculous amount. The only time in, uh, in old writings, in like first century writings that aren't scripture, um, and even before that, B.C. writings, that we find people um, passing this amount of money from one person to the next is from country to country. 
10,000 talents only swapped hands between kings. And for a servant to owe a king 10,000 talents, it's, it's absurd. Jesus is obviously here using hyperbole, right? Hyperbole is whenever you give an extreme amount. I feel like I've been awake for a week. Well, you haven't been awake for a week. You just feel that way. But you're using hyperbole. You're exaggerating to make a point. So Jesus is obviously using hyperbole because a servant would never... Own, this is roughly, if you translate it, into, it's roughly a billion dollars. And for the servant to say, as he does, he brings the servant, and he, he, as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payments to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him saying, have patience with me, I will pay you everything. Well, how? How will you do it? The king, out of pity for him, the lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, which we'll get to that in a second, but let's pause right there. So he's forgiven. He's forgiven a debt. One of the things we do wrong with parables, when we, we read a parable, uh, our, like we'll, we'll create God characters in the parable, and we'll say, well, this Lord here, this king, is the God character in the parable. Well, that's not true. This is a metaphor to describe God. The type of mercy this king shows is the type of mercy God shows. But this king doesn't represent God straight through. God is not one to sell us into slavery un until we beg for it. Right? So and we instinctively know metaphors work like that. But for some reason with parables, we'll take the metaphor and we'll just we'll try to connect all points to God. And that's irresponsible with the text. I mean, you, would know, you know that because whenever your friend is telling you about an, a friend of his and he says, man, he's as strong as a horse. You don't then say, oh, it's probably because he sleeps standing up. Like, you know the metaphor connects with just a thing and not the full extent of the picture. So Jesus here is not, to be honest, Jesus is the only God character in the story. The God character is the one telling the story. But this king exhibits mercy the same way God exhibits mercy. Mercy. And our, I think our days need to begin with a realization of the mercy God has shown on us. And by doing so, we are acknowledging the need for the mercy God has shown on us. You are the public. Right? You are. We're all the public. Have you ever been at Walmart and thought, there are way too many people here. You should leave. You're one of the people. <laughs> you, if you continue to walk around, you're the, you're the problem, not the solution. But for some reason, we think everyone else is the problem, and we are the solution. You are not the solution. You're the problem. I'm the problem. I'm public. I'm the public. I'm stupid people. You're, you, you get my point. 
We're all broken. We're all in debt to God. And we all need mercy from God and from others. Especially from our spouses, from our children. My children are going to have to grow up and forgive me. That's just the fact. Your children are going to have to grow up and forgive you. Because you're not a perfect parent. They're really going to have to forgive you if you weren't a perfect parent and you pretended to be a perfect parent. We're, we're going to need mercy from all involved. And if we lead with that brokenness, if we lead with that, with that frailty and that vulnerability, then we, can, we know for a fact, I, I need mercy for all of this junk. The problem is, is often we have sort of hidden away our mercy. We have tucked it behind suit po- or our, vulner- our brokenness. We've tucked our brokenness behind suit pockets and ties. And we have, we, have, uh, we have stood in our church in our best demeanor. And even when our, if we argued like cats and dogs on the way to church, we get out and say, oh, we're doing great. Problem is, our problem a lot of times is we lead with our perceived perfection and not with our brokenness and vulnerability. We, we act as if and pretend as if it is a, uh, it, it, we've got it all together. And people can look around a church and feel like they're the only sinner in the room. And what really gets bad is when we look at those people and think they're the only sinner in the room too. We we need to be a people who proclaim the mercy of God for ourselves. Then we won't get ourselves into this problem. The same slave, verse 28, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, listen, this this isn't chump change. He doesn't owe him a McDonald's gift card. He owes him a, a, day, a, a hundred days wages, which if you're working even minimum wage in the U.S., that's $6,400. Not you know, a ridiculous amount, but enough to bother us, right? Like that's, I don't know, I don't have that on me. Oh, $6,400? Okay. Um, 1D400, 2D400. I don't have it. Got nut see? Nothing. They, they, I don't have, I don't have $6,400. And so if someone owed you $6,400 and they weren't going to pay it, that can be a problem. Like, no one's saying this problem is small. This is a big problem between one slave and another. He owes him a lot of money, a good amount of money. And if you're just a day laborer, this is a big deal. A hundred days worth of wages. He found him and he seized him by the throat. He said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. 
Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. Now tap the brakes before you start thinking about how horrible this dude is. Let's just slow down. Because I think we do this on a regular basis because uh, I can see where this guy would think about his debt. One billion dollars. And would perceive it as unpayable. So his only options, the king's only options, are to show mercy or to show vengeance. The king is not going to get his money back. His only options are mercy and vengeance. And he just showed mercy instead of vengeance. Now the slave can get his money back. He can get his comeuppance. And he... He'll receive what he's owed. So he actually has three options. Mercy, vengeance, and only one of those options gets him paid. I think a lot of times we choose the option that is going to get us paid. Now obviously God didn't do that because we could never pay God back. We say that a lot. We couldn't pay you back. We could never pay you back. That's right, we couldn't. But I think oftentimes we differentiate between the the mercy God shows us because we couldn't pay him back and the forgiveness we're willing to dole out because people can pay us back. And so we have parsed those two situations just like this servant, albeit the servant does it pretty quickly. But God has shown us mercy and we didn't deserve it. And we couldn't have ever paid it back. But those people who were jerks to us, those people who we're feuding with, those people who we have grudges against, those people can pay us back. Look what happens. I think this next point is really important. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. When you refuse to show the sort of mercy to other people that God has shown to you, when you refuse to forgive others like God has forgiven you, it bothers the people around you. It is not a good look for the Christian. It is not a good look. I remember listening to a uh, radio station back when I was in college. I listened to a lot of political radio. I've repented. Uh, And I remember I was listening to this guy, and he was really, really, really upset about um, not being able to put the Ten Commandments into a courthouse. Because when you do that, the world just gets better automatically. I don't believe that, but anyway, he wanted to do it. Wanted to put the Ten Commandments in the courthouse. Okay, that's fine. I get that. I get where he's coming from. The next week, Michael Vick was arrested for... Um, you remember Michael Vick, quarterback? He was, he was arrested for funding a dogfighting ring. And the same guy 
who said he wanted the Ten Commandments to be put all over the place because we are a godly nation, said on the radio, I will never forgive Michael Vick for what he did. Now, first off, did Michael Vick kill your dog? Like, how did Michael Vick sin against you? But secondly, the crux of the Christian life is showing mercy on people. If you are not forgiving others like God has forgiven you, I've got some news for you. That ain't Christian. You can put all the Ten Commandments up all over the place you want to. We can kind of cross out the Sabbath. But put the Ten Commandments up all over the place. I don't care. It is not Christian if you're not forgiving people when they wrong you. If you're not showing mercy to people, whenever you can't claim you're a Christian nation and not be a nation of forgiveness. You can't claim that you are a, a, a godly people and not show mercy like God showed you mercy. You can't claim it. We are called to look like our king. And not just because he shows other people mercy, and he does, by the way, I think it's a really good habit to forgive all the people God forgives. But not just because he forgives other people, but because he forgave you. Because he forgave me. And when we refuse to forgive, we are setting the wrong example. The easy way to be a Christian is to wear a t-shirt with the Ten Commandments on it. The easy way to do that is put it up in your house. You can decorate your house with crosses. Those are like $4 at Hobby Lobby. Take no investment. Hang those up. Feel good about yourself. That's fine. The hard way to follow Jesus and to show your Christianity is to forgive people who have wronged you and hurt you deeply. People who could pay it back if they had to, but you're not going to make them. That's the way to live. And all of us have that person. We all have our um, ch childish, re childish relationship. Your childish relationship is when you have a feud with somebody. Grown-ups who have feuds. Those, those grown-ups need to grow up. You have like an enemy of sorts. We are called to show mercy. Look what the king does. And his lord, these people were greatly distressed. They wouldn't report it to their lord all that had taken place. And then his lord or the king summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger his lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So, listen to this, so my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. <sighs> so my heavenly Father will do to you if you do not forgive your brother and sister 
from your heart. I am not going to stand in front of you and give you a hard message about tambourines. I'm not going to stand in front of you and give you a hard message about the evils of dancing and rock and roll. And listen, if you decide, if at 16 you started smoking a cigarette and you haven't been able to stop the most addictive thing on the planet, I completely understand that. I'm not going to give you hard lines about those sorts of brokenness. But when you refuse, when you agree to accept the mercy of God and refuse to give it, God does not look kindly on that. That is a sin upon a sin. And it is harsh. I know, coming from a God full of grace, but this is built into His grace. This is God's grace saying, you... I, I gave you a gift you didn't deserve. I think our problem here is not that we refuse to forgive people, it's that we refuse to acknowledge that we needed any forgiveness in the first place. We're pretty happy with ourselves. You can, we never think we're wrong. Ever. Even when it's pointed out to us that we're wrong, we feel wrong for about six seconds and then we're right again. Good job. But the, good news, the bad news is you've been wrong for 12 years. You've been wrong for a long time. But at least now you feel right again. We always feel right. We always feel like we're trying. We always feel like we're good enough. We always can compare other people's actions to our aspirations and never feel bad. Always come out on top of that. But we're the sinners. We're wrong about something. We're arrogant. We need mercy upon mercy from God. We need it. You need it. I need it. We need it as a church. We're not a perfect church. And listen, if you listened to everything I said, we'd be a more imperfect church. Because I don't have it right all the time either. But one thing we do know is that in our imperfections, we have found mercy from God. And that mercy must leak out of us at some point. Because forgiveness known is forgiveness shown. Forgiveness shown is forgiveness known. If, if you aren't forgiving your brother, I doubt you've come into contact with it. And I grant, listen, I understand forgiveness is hard. It is. It's really hard. And it may take some time. We talked about this recently in a life group where I, and I pointed out that sometimes forgiveness means yesterday I wanted to kill you and today I don't want to kill you. And then tomorrow as I progress 
Now I don't even want you dead. Whereas yesterday, I didn't want to kill you, but if someone else killed you, that'd been fine. Like, forgiveness is this long process. It's not the switch that you're going to turn and it's going to make everything better. You're not going to say, well, I forgive you. But I would argue that you probably need to start saying it. You need to start saying the words until you mean them. Because at least then you're acknowledging that it needs to happen. And that it's worth doing. And maybe you might just need to start saying it like this. I forgive you because God has forgiven me. I forgive you because God has forgiven me. At first, you're not going to mean the first part, but you better mean the second part. And that second part is eventually going to push that first part into reality. The strong reality of the first of the, of the second statement, I forgive you because God has forgiven me, will make the reality of the first statement come into being. I forgive you because God has forgiven me. This isn't a suggestion of Jesus. It is rule number three or four in his kingdom. First one, remember, love God, love Jesus. Remember on this, when, he gets, when he's teaching them how to pray and forgive us our trespasses or forgive us our sins as we forgive those who trespass or sin against us. And then he stops and he says, because God will forgive you the way you forgive others. This isn't a suggestion. This is the life of Christ. If it's too hard, don't claim him. Foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus regularly told people, my life is too hard for you to handle right now. Don't be the person who claims the forgiveness of God but doesn't claim, doesn't live it out. Maybe slowly, maybe it takes a long time, maybe it's a tough process, it takes work. But if you just throw your hands up and you're not even willing to work for it, how can we accept the grace of the one who threw his hands apart and showed us the greatest of all mercies? I know it's heavy. I know it's hard, but it's essential. Talk about essential. That's essential. God does not look kindly on those who accept his grace and refuse to give it. The good news is, is when we fail and we are awful as we often are, God continually forgives us. And he's, he's constantly trying to winnow his mercies into the cracks in our stony demeanor. He's constantly trying to get in there. And then he does, he overwhelms you. He takes control of you. And you will forgive. You may not today. But you will. Because the overwhelming mercy of God is hard to keep in. If you want to keep, to experience the overwhelming mercy of God, if you want to um, let Jesus be your king today, please come forward while we stand and sing.